North Point family. It is so good to be with you here this morning. I just trust that you're doing well. And once again, so glad that you have made it a priority to be with us here, whether you're in Edmonton, joining us in Vegreville or online. So glad that you have carved out time to really hear from God's word. And I believe that you are going to hear if your ears are open, if your hearts are open to what God would say to you. My name is Michael Vole. I'm the lead pastor here at North Point. And we are in the middle of our series in the book of Philippians. It's a book that the Apostle Paul wrote. It really is a letter that he wrote to a church. And we're just kind of cruising through it, just sort of verse by verse and uh, seeing what God would say to us here today in Edmonton, in Vegreville, in Chauvin, and, and really all across the world. What would God say to us today? And so today I want to talk about being forward focused. Now, I don't know about you, but if you've ever got a new job, you know kind of what that new job feeling is all about. You know where all of a sudden you walk in for the first time and maybe you're wondering, okay, what should I wear or, or how should I look? Uh, here's just a, a little you know, tip for you. If you're you know, in a more blue collar job, if you're working in the oil field, don't show up like I did on my first day in the oil field where I had the shiniest boots and the shiniest jeans and the shiniest glove, like at least throw rocks at them, throw dirt on them and all the rest, right? But you know, you're, you're going in and you're full of optimism. Many times you start a new job and you're excited. What is the future going to hold? And you've got all sorts of ideas. And, and it seems like every single day you're meeting someone new, you're learning something new, and, and it just feels good. It, you could say you're in the honeymoon stage. You know, everything is new. Everything that you're learning is exciting. Even the things that aren't necessarily exciting you see as a challenge. And you go, hey, that's not a big deal. That's just a challenge and an obstacle to overcome. But often what happens is after that honeymoon period is finished, we kind of put things on cruise control. You know, we, we get so used to going to that job. You go at the same time. Maybe you're doing the same kind of repetitive things over and over. And what you were once very excited to do, now you're not so excited about it. And maybe unintentionally, you don't even do this on purpose, but unintentionally, you kind of take your foot off the gas. You kind of put it on cruise control. We can do this with a new job, but you can also do it with the relationship. And I see it all the time. I see where, where, you know, couples, for example, when they get together, when they start dating, it's like, he is so amazing. Anything I'm learning about him is so amazing and so great. And I'm thinking, oh, oh honey, you are in for one big surprise, right? And he says the same thing. Oh, man, she's just amazing. Like, just just so good. Everything she says is, is just said the right way. And, and, and everything is, a, is just amazing. And, uh, and you know, you know that there's going to come a time when that, when that relationship sort of transitions, right? That all of a sudden, maybe once again, unintentionally, you stop asking questions. You feel like you've got your partner figured out. You're not inquisitive 
anymore. And you almost feel like they're static, that they're not going to change, that they're not going to go through the rhythms of life. And so instead of continuing to date one another, instead of continuing to ask questions of one another, instead of continuing to pursue one another, we sort of put our relationship on cruise control and we sit back and we don't know when exactly that happened and we don't know exactly how that happened and many of us we don't do it intentionally but at some point we set our relationship on cruise and we just kind of hung back and friends that is a scary place to be it's a scary place to be when it comes to our job it's a scary place to be when it comes to our relationships and more than anything else it's a scary place to be in our relationship with Jesus Christ And the Apostle Paul addresses this very issue in Philippians chapter 3, and we're going to be looking at verses 12 through 16. Philippians 3, verses 12 through 16, Paul says this, Not that I have already obtained all of this, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I don't consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. You know, what's interesting to me is as I read these words, I am very humbled because the Apostle Paul says, I haven't already obtained these things. I haven't already arrived. And I think, man, if the Apostle Paul hasn't arrived in his relationship with Jesus Christ, man, we are all in a really bad situation, aren't we? If he hasn't arrived, if you say, man, I have not arrived, then where does that put me? Where does that put you? You know, one of North Point's core cultural values is this. We are going to be living authentically. We come as we are, and we become more like Jesus daily. We come as we are. I want everyone to be able to come to North Point. And, and I know that there are many of you that have come here for the very first time this morning or joined us online for the very first time this morning. And I'm so glad for that. Every single week, people are joining us for the first time. And I want you to know, you don't have to dress a certain way. All I ask is that you wear some clothing. <laughs> but you can just come. And I want you to learn about Jesus Christ. I want you to learn about his love and his grace and his forgiveness and his compassion and his righteousness and his justice and his mercy. I want you to learn all about Jesus. But I want you to also know this. We don't just come as we are and stay there. The whole goal of the Christian life is that we would become more like Jesus. That we would actually grow and become more like Jesus. You know, sometimes we get to a place where we feel like we have matured as followers of Jesus and we no longer are hungry. We're not hungry to become more like Jesus. We feel like we've somehow arrived. We've got to a certain level where we feel like, man, it's just just too much work to grow anymore, but I've arrived. I'm like three quarters of the way there. It's like some of you are with exams back in the day. You were like, well, what do I need to pass this course? And if someone says 60%, you are happy with the 60.5%. You're like, I just want to get in. And some of us, that's what we've done in our spiritual maturity. We've gone to a certain place and then we've stopped 
growing and we kind of settle into our spiritual life. And we lack the spiritual drive and the spiritual passion that we once had. We lose the joy of our first love. We lose that pursuit of that first love, just like when we were first dating or when we were at that job for that first time that we absolutely loved. It was our dream job and we were pursuing, we were doing anything we could to add value. But just like those things in our spiritual life, many times we can hit the cruise control. We can settle for crumbs under the table rather than for the feast that God has prepared for us. I want you to know that God has prepared a feast for us. He wants us to eat and drink. He wants us to know him. He wants us to celebrate with him. But many of us, we have become just so happy with the crumbs under the table. We feel like we've reached a certain point. Now, you may be mature and pure in your relationship with Jesus, but no one is perfect. Not you, not me, not the Apostle Paul. I mean, ask my family, ask our staff here at North Point, is Pastor Michael perfect? And they'll be like, uh, is he going to get this feedback? Because if he's not, I'll tell you exactly what he is and what he isn't. And they'll be able to tell you that I'm not perfect. But friends, here's the deal. I may not be perfect, but I'm not paralyzed. I am not paralyzed in my faith in Jesus Christ. I am continuing to put one foot in front of the next. I am continuing to press forward. I am continuing to get to know Jesus Christ. And that's what I want for you as well. That you haven't reached that place yet. So keep on going. You see, as soon as we think that we've reached a certain level, it's very natural for us to stop striving and growing. If you think that you're a mature Christian, the temptation will be to be satisfied. And satisfaction in your own spirituality will always lead to stagnation. Satisfaction in your own spirituality will always lead to stagnation. Charles Spurgeon, the amazing preacher, said Paul had not won his race yet. His joy arises from the fact that he is on the right course and running in the right direction. I want to ask you today, are you on the right course and are you running in the right direction? I think maybe for some of you today, this is going to be a major course correction. You realize that you have gotten off the course, that you're running in the wrong direction. And today, I just want to say, let's get back on the course, friends. Here in the middle of August, let's get back on the right course and let's be running in the right direction. Let's be running towards Jesus Christ, not away from him. I'm amazed when I see athletes who have reached the very top of their specific sport, how they continually put in the effort, how they continually practice. And we know that most of their growth has happened, but they will put in that practice even to sharpen themselves up 0.5%. That they'll continue to pursue. You know that you're spiritually mature when you still have that passion deep within you to become more like Jesus rather than somehow sitting back and saying, I've settled. That I finally reached this position known as spiritual maturity. I hope I never get to that place where I'll go, I am spiritually mature. I, I pray that I always have that passion to say, there's just a little more left. There's a little more to go. You see, spiritual passion plus godly wisdom equals spiritual maturity. 
Man, if, if you want to be known as someone who is spiritually mature, you will have that passion for Jesus Christ. You will continue to pursue Jesus Christ, but you'll do that with godly wisdom, and that's where spiritual maturity is. Commentator David Guzek, he, he talks about the whole idea of childlike faith being so vital and so important to our spiritual maturity. You know, one of the things that I love about kids is that kids are always wanting to grow. Anytime you're around a kid, they're always just like, look, I'm almost as tall as you. I'm almost as tall as you, right? They're, they're always measuring against one another. Have you noticed that? Always, they're always like back to back, you know, kind of thing. They're, they're always going, I'm as tall as you. I'm as tall as you, dad. I'm like, I don't quite think so. They're always saying, I'm, I'm, I'm getting stronger. I'm stronger than that person. I'm stronger than that person. Even little kids are like, I'm getting heavier. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> I don't like that one anymore. <laughs> they're thinking about how they're getting smarter. How they're getting faster in the races. They love that, the fact that they're getting faster. They're always looking to grow. That's what's beautiful about kids. Kids want to grow, but somehow we become adults and we don't want to grow anymore. But the problem is, is that, yes, I don't want to necessarily grow in stature anymore. Certainly, I don't want to gain much more weight. But I will say this, when it comes to being a Christian, when it comes to spiritual maturity, we should continue to want to grow. That, that growth should not in any way stagnate. We should continue to want to grow. So I'd say to you today, press on. Press on. Keep on going. We can never have enough spiritual growth. And so the Apostle Paul goes on in chapter 3, verse 12b. He says, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Yes. You know, Christ Jesus took hold of the Apostle Paul. And at some point, every single follower of Jesus Christ, whether you're here in Edmonton or in Vegreville or in Chauvin or online, at some point, Christ got a hold of your life. For some of you, God stopped you in your tracks. And for some of you, it was a very natural getting a hold of, where, where you came to that realization that you needed Jesus Christ. But that whole word connotation of took hold is a really strong word in the Greek, and it means to acquire with effort, to attack or to gain control over or to overpower. Essentially, it's like getting hit by a linebacker. That whole idea that you are going to be tackled down to the ground by Jesus Christ. And you know, Jesus got a hold of the Apostle Paul in a really big way. If you look at the Apostle Paul's story in Acts chapter 9, you realize that at one point, he was very far from Jesus. And in fact, he persecuted and he put in prison those who were followers of Jesus Christ. And one day on his way to a place known as Damascus, he's going there to imprison Christians. And as he goes there, he is absolutely hit to the ground. And there is a bright light and he is blinded and he hears the voice of Jesus Christ. Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he has an experience with Jesus Christ. 
And very easily, he could have stopped there. And he could have said, wow, I had an experience with Jesus Christ. It was amazing, man. He slammed me to the ground. I heard his voice. Man, I've experienced not only spiritual blindness and physical blindness, but now, now I see spiritually. And now my sight is restored physically. Man, I had an experience with Jesus. Isn't that great? Now I'm just going to go on with my day. Now I'm just going to go on with my life. And some of us, we've had experiences with Jesus like that. You've experienced Jesus, whether that's in a church service, in a camp service, whatever that might be. And you had a genuine experience with Jesus. And now what you've done is you've just put it in your back pocket and you're like, I'm just saving that. That was just a really nice thing. And you feel like now you've somehow arrived. Oh, friends, let's not do that. Let's keep on going. Let's keep on going. The Apostle Paul is not putting that experience with Jesus Christ in his back pocket. Instead, he is pressing in in Acts chapter 9, verses 15 and 16. We see that God gets a hold of a man named Ananias and he, and he tells him exactly what the Apostle Paul's calling is. And in Acts chapter 9, verses 15 and 16, it says, but the Lord said, go for Saul, that is Paul's name before he came to Jesus Christ, For Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings as well as to the people of Israel. And now I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. You see, rather than just sitting back, Paul wants to take hold of Jesus and his plans for his life. He wants to wrestle to the ground all that God has in store for him. If, if God wanted him to preach the good news of Jesus to all sorts of people, to Gentiles and to kings and even to suffer, then the apostle Paul says, I'm going to tackle that down. If Christ has tackled me down, if he has stopped me in my tracks, I want to tackle down Jesus and everything he wants for my life. You see, if you want to get to know God, You're going to have to do some wrestling. You're going to have to do some tackling. You're going to have to put in some effort. In order to grasp the love and the character of God, you're going to have to grasp the word of God, the Bible. You are. You're going to have to grasp it. You're going to have to hold on to it. You're going to have to hold on to it tightly. And I talk about this every week. And some of you are just like, will you quit telling me to read my Bible? Friends, the reason I tell you to read your Bible is that 90% of you don't read your Bible. You don't turn it out there. Or so very rarely. And especially in the summer, I know, I know, I know. It gets so tempting. It's, man, you're on holidays, you're in chill mode, you're putting it on cruise, and all of a sudden those things that are so important through the year, you don't do it any longer. And I want to tell you today, we got to grasp onto the word of God. First of all, yeah, so how do we do that? So I just, so you got, you got five fingers. I mean, some people say it's a thumb, whatever. You've got five digits. Let's say five digits. I, I don't want to start something here today. <laughs> First of all, we've got to hear God's word. That's why it's important to be amongst Christians. That's why it's important to come to church. Friends, you've got to hear the word of God. That's why I will continue to preach the word of God because faith comes through hearing. Like we have got to hear God's word. Secondly, we've got to read God's word. Man, man, we've got to actually read the words of God. These are the inspired words of God as I, I was telling you a couple weeks ago. We've got to read them. And not only do we have to read those, but we've got to study them. You know, studying is essentially reading with a highlighter or with a pen or a pencil. 
When you begin to study, you're starting to ask the questions. What did this mean to its original hearers? What might this mean to me today? It's where you're underlining. It's where you're writing in the margins. It's where you're writing down some notes. You're actually going to that next level of study where you're, you're trying to get deeper. And then, and then memorization. That we would actually hide God, God's word in our heart. That we might not sin against him. You see, there are going to be times when, when God is going to pop a Bible verse into your mind when you most need it, but you can't have those things come to your mind unless you've actually memorized God's word, right? Like, man, some of you, you study by osmosis. It's like you did in high school, and you think if you sleep on your biology notes that somehow, some way, it's going to seep into your brain. It just doesn't happen. You know that. And that's why you're not a doctor, right? Because you just couldn't get into med school by sleeping on it. Friends, we gotta study it, we gotta put it in. We gotta put it in. And then we've gotta meditate on God's word. What does that mean? It's just like ruminating on it. Man, we just gotta let it just roll over. We gotta let it roll over. And that's why I would just encourage you, man, we've got to grasp hold. Jesus has tackled us. He has grasped hold of us through his tremendous love. And now we have got to grab hold of him. And one of the best ways that we can do that is by grasping a hold of his word. And this is ongoing. You know, I have read the Bible many times over, as have many of you. Many times over and in many different translations, I usually start a new Bible every two, three years just so that I can, I can actually you know, underline things and write things in the margins because God is always revealing new things to us. But you gotta put in the effort. And if you put in the effort, God is always going to be revealing things to you. You know, I know that I'm never going to be able to fully grasp everything about Jesus Christ, everything about the immensity of God. You know, one of my favorite movies is A Few Good Men, you know, with Tom Cruise and Jack Nicholson. And, and at the, the most important part in the court case, Jack Nicholson is, is asked for the truth. And he says, you want the truth? You want the truth? You can't handle the truth. And I love that. It's just such a powerful moment. And, and God knows that there are times where you cannot handle the truth. And so he gives us truth in just dosed measures. That there are some things today that God will reveal to you through his word. There's going to be some things that God is going to reveal to you through my preaching. But two years from now, if you continue to grow, he's going to reveal something deeper. He's going to reveal something a little bit greater. But you've got to be hungry. You've got to go after it. As we grow and mature, God will reveal more of himself when we can actually handle the truth. And then Paul goes on, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. Paul is using this illustration of a runner who is running a race. And in this race, we don't win by looking back. You know, we can't forget the past. We all know that. You can't just erase the past. You can't forget the past. Our past lives are going to come up from time to time, but we need to live in a way that we are able to push away that past. You see, we're supposed to learn from our past. We, we have to learn from our past mistakes and even our past successes. And we should thank God for the past. No question, we need to thank him for the past, but we don't want to live in the past. 
It's not a good place to live. And this can go for churches as well as individuals. You know, when you are a part of a church like North Point, North Point has been around for over 106 years. That's a lot of history, friends. And North Point slash Central Tabernacle, through their 106 years, they have done amazing things. People through that 106 years have done amazing things. And it would be very tempting for us to get caught in the past and go, man, weren't those the good old days? Weren't those the glory days? I have been here for 18 and a half years. I was here when we had our first service in 2006 here in this building. And I remember the buzz and I remember the energy. I remember what it was like to build this church when we were still downtown and just all the things that God brought us through. Those were good times. But friends, we can't get stuck in the past. We can't get stuck In the past, another one of North Point's core cultural values is this, looking forward. We thank God for our past, but we are focused on the future. We thank God for our past, but we're focused on our future. You see, I think it would be dishonoring to the people of the past to live in the past. Because the people in the past, they prayed, they gave, they served, they loved, they reached out into the community and around the world. Why? Because they wanted Jesus Christ and his message to go forward. They didn't want to get stuck in the past. They wanted to continue to press into the preferred future that Jesus Christ had for us. And I want to continue that because I think that's honoring. I think that's honoring. And, and I would pray that five years from today, we would look back at this time and we'd say, oh God, thank you. You were doing something so beautiful in North Point's history in 2023. But oh Lord, we thank you for where you're bringing us. We thank you for what you are doing. You see, the past can either freeze us up. If you've had a terrible past, that past can freeze you up. Or, or sometimes you can get caught reminiscing about the past if you've had an amazing past. But I believe we need to continue on into our preferred future. You see, Satan doesn't want us to live in the present, and he certainly doesn't want us to dream about what God would do for the future. He wants us stuck in the past. I want you to remember that in a vehicle, the windshield is so much bigger than the rearview mirror. It doesn't mean that the rearview mirror is not important. If, if you're kind of positioned, you're going backwards, you're going to need that rear view mirror. But I need you to understand today, when it comes to the spiritual life, we're supposed to be looking through the windshield. We're supposed to be going forward. We don't want to be going in reverse. We certainly don't want to be going in reverse for very long. If all it is is to do a little mid-course correction so we can spring forward, that's fine. But if we are cruising in reverse over a long haul, friends, that is a bad, bad place to be. The windshield is much larger than the rear view mirror. And so we reach forward to what lies ahead. Some of you are very afraid of the future. You're afraid about that whole idea of of living for the future, of reaching forward into the future, because you're not sure what is around the next corner. Here's what I want to tell you. The Lord Jesus Christ knows what's around that corner, and he's already there. He is already there. Some of you are so afraid. And when I talk to you, you're so afraid about the future and what's happening politically and socially and economically. And I'm so afraid. And I want to tell you today, Jesus Christ is still alive. He is still on the throne in heaven. He is still in control of the earth. And he is here in control today. And he will be here in control tomorrow as well. You don't have to fear. He's already there. He's already there. You just need to step into that preferred future. 
So press on. Paul goes on and he says, so I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Once again, I want you to picture a runner. Man, if you start looking back, you're going to kill your momentum. I've seen so many races. Have you seen some of those races where the runner's running and you can tell that, that they are going to win that race and they start looking back and then they start cheering, they start celebrating, they start blowing kisses, they, you know, they start doing all sorts of different things and then that person who's in second place goes, man, I can smell weakness and they just start booking it, right? And at the finish line, that person is overtaken. We've seen it in sports, we've seen it in NFL where that running back has got the ball and they're like, oh yeah, and they're celebrating, and all of a sudden that ball gets knocked down out of their hands just before they cross that finish, that finish line and into that end zone. Man, when I was coaching Little League Baseball, I'd say to those kids, when you hit the ball, you run to first, and you run through first. If anyone slows down, I will chase you with my car. No, 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 I would <laughs> That's what I was thinking, inside, right? Keep running, run through. Run through, friends. Don't stop. Man, I know that God has done some amazing things in some of your lives. Man, for some of you, God has taken away addictions in your life. For some of you, God has given joy. For some of you, God has restored relationships. For some of you, God has, has done a work of, of miraculous healing in your body. And I just want to tell you, friends, rather than looking back and getting caught in the past or being so happy with where you have arrived, I need to tell you, you need to keep on going. Otherwise, your past is going to catch up with you. Some of you, man, you're living in freedom today. You're living in joy today, and it's going to be very tempting just to put that in your back pocket and go, I've arrived. Friends, what you need to do is keep on pursuing Jesus Christ. You need to keep on going after him. And that, that will ensure that you continue to grow. Because if you stop and you put that in your back pocket and you put it on cruise control, a lot of times our past is going to catch up with us. And those things that we thought were licked, those things that we thought were taken care of, that marriage that we thought was repaired, you put it on cruise control and all of a sudden it's going to come back to bite you. Keep on going. Keep on pursuing. Keep on pressing. So what is Paul pressing forwards towards? He says, I'm pressing forward to the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. The prize is the upward call of Christ. The call itself is the prize. Being able to run in this race at all is the prize. Working with God as his partner to further the work of the kingdom of God all around the world, that is the prize. We get to work with Jesus. That's the prize. It's like a father and son or or a parent and a child when they work together on a project. And they come to the end of that project and the project is finished and they look back and they go, man, isn't that amazing? Isn't it great? While that, that end result might feel like the prize, you know what the real prize was? You got to hang with your kid. You got to be with that person. You got to be with that person that you love and that you care for. That's the prize, friends. That's the real prize in all of it. And that prize that Paul is pursuing is he's like, I get to be with Jesus Christ. I get to know him. And friends, that is worth reaching for. Man, we get to partner with Jesus Christ to bring real hope, new life, and lasting purpose 
to a world that needs them so desperately. Man, I just love it when I see baptism videos. I love it when I see people coming to faith. I love it when I see marriages and relationships being restored. I love it when I get to hear the prayer requests of people and, and God is healing and God is at work. I am so grateful. I am so blessed that God would allow me to be a part of it. And every time you give money, every time you serve, every time you pray, every time you get behind someone, you are a part of bringing that real hope, new life, and lasting purpose to a world that desperately needs it. You are partnering with Jesus. And I want to tell you, keep on going. And then Paul finishes by saying this. All of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. You know, too often we measure our maturity by years. We say, well, I've been a Christian for 40 years. And friends, all that means is that for some of you, you've been a Christian for one year, 40 times over. You're not actually a Christian for 40 years. I love it. When I meet Christians, and there are so many in this body, there are so many in this church that have been serving the Lord for many years, and they are so in love with Jesus Christ. And I, I just, my heart is just so full when I talk to some of you, because when you see those baptism videos, you are cheering and you are clapping just like you did when you were a teenager. You are still exciting, excited that God is doing a new work. Your life is still open before God. You are learning new songs and you are worshiping God because you know he's worthy of worship and praise, that you actually take notes and you take in when, when that young pastor, I'll call myself young even though I'm not, when he's preaching, because I know that there are so many things I haven't yet learned. I love that you are soft before the Lord. You're malleable before the Lord. And I want to tell you today, that's what I want to be when I grow up. I want to continue to love and pursue the Lord. Man, I want to grow to know him more. I want to be soft before him. I want to be the kind of person where at 80 years old, should I still be alive? Man, I want to be looking at baptism videos and I, I want to just have just tears rolling down my cheeks going, man, that's what it's all about. I want to read God's word. I want to be grasping his word. And all of a sudden he'll share something with me. And I'm like, whoa, I never saw that before. 80 years, never saw it before. I want to be so open to the Lord. I love how Paul says, if you disagree, I believe God will make it plain to you. Paul doesn't get into a fight. Paul believes that God will reveal what needs to be revealed when it needs to be revealed. I just love that trust where he's just like, I just believe that God's gonna reveal himself to you. So let me ask you today, what is God revealing to you today? What is he revealing to you today? You see, becoming more like Jesus is a journey. And it's many steps. Just becoming more and more like him, one step in front of the other. And it requires faith and effort and trust in God. You know, I'm reminded that Rome wasn't built in a day, but it was built on purpose. It wasn't built in a day, but it was built on purpose. If you want to grow in your relationship with Christ, you're going to have to press on. And you are a work in progress and we will all be works in progress until we meet Jesus Christ face to face when all things are made new. Until then, we continue to grow. We continue 
to press on. God got a hold of Paul. Maybe he's getting a hold of you today. Is God getting a hold of you today? Maybe there's something that I've said and, and it just has triggered something within you. You just say, man, I need that. I, I've been putting it on cruise control. I've been a follower of Jesus for a long time, but I'm not growing. And we know that if we're not growing, we're, we're probably losing momentum. We know that. And you would say, man, that's been my life for a long time. I just, my last real spiritual moment was when I was 18 years old or when I was 36 years old or when I was 42 years old. And, and you, you realize, man, you haven't grown. You just somehow, some way, at some time, decided to put it on cruise. What might God be saying to you today? If you are spiritually satisfied, I pray that God would give you a spiritual hunger like you've never had before. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh man. Come on, taste and see he's good. Some of us, we've been filling up on so many things and our taste buds are absolutely destroyed. I want you to know that God wants to renew those taste buds so that you can taste and see him for the very first time. Oh, that, that your eyes that have been blinded will once again see. Spiritual satisfa satisfaction will lead to stagnation. Let's press in. Let's press into Jesus like never before. And maybe today you're here and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You've never started that before. You've, you've walked through life, you feel like you're a pretty good person, kind of doing all the right things and, and you've just never been confronted, you've never been tackled by God's love and his grace. But today there's something going on in you. And you say, man, I want that. Like, I really want it. I want you to know it's yours for the taking that Jesus Christ wants to give you his love. He wants to pour out his love and his mercy and his grace into your life. Jesus did what we could never do for ourselves. He paid the, the penalty for the punishment of our sins. Our sins separate us from God. The Bible tells us that all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. That means you, that means me, all of us. And that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is life in Christ Jesus. Do you wanna receive that gift today? You can do that by simply saying, Jesus, come into my life. Change me, forgive me, cover me, and make me more like you. Would you bow your heads with me right now? Hey, if you're here, and you'd like Jesus to be alive in your life today, would you just slip up a hand, maybe for the first time ever, you just say, Jesus, I want you to be alive in me today. Just looking around right now, thank you, yeah, thank you. Yes, thank you. And then let me ask you this. For those of you who have been Christians for a long time, how many of you would just, by a raised hand right now, would just say, Pastor, just pray for me that I would just no longer be spiritually satisfied, but that I'd be hungry like never before. Would you just raise your hand all over? Yeah, all over. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much that you're at work here. And God, I just pray, first of all, for those that don't know you, don't have a relationship with you, that whether they're joining us online or here in Edmonton or Vegreville or Chauvin, Lord, right now, would you just come into their lives? Would you forgive them? Would you change them from the inside out? Would you put your spirit and make your spirit alive within them right now? 
And Lord, for those that have known you maybe for a long time, but at some point they got satisfied. Lord, I just pray today that there would be an unholy, un, uh, just, a, just a holy dissatisfaction with the status quo. Lord Jesus, I pray that, that they would hunger and they would thirst after you like never, ever before. God, that you would change us, make us more like you. We pray these things in your name. Amen.